You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. We have two guests today. We have Andrew D'Angelo from founder of Andrew D'Angelo Consulting. We also have Christopher Peake, who is SVP of Retail Development at ACV Consulting. We're going to talk to him about the world of cannabis. We're going to talk to him about new products and new solutions they're bringing to the market, really helping companies really kind of navigate some of these challenges that they've really seen in terms of how to kind of deal with cannabis. And I'm going to let them to get into the details, but I'm very curious about this. I'm, I think we're at the point in the cannabis industry where we're starting to see some of the challenges. We're seeing professionals from different industries, kind of different professions coming in and kind of helping cannabis companies navigate some of these things. I think these are challenges that we're just going to see more and more of as this industry matures and really kind of evolves, hopefully, you know, resolves some of the legal kind of regulatory issues, you know, we'll start to see some real kind of advances here. So I'm curious to hear this conversation, sort of see what the background is and really kind of talk to them about where do they see cannabis going? Right? I think we're in a little bit of a crossroads here in terms of cannabis. And I think we're seeing some movement, we're seeing some challenges, and it's really going to be telling over the next couple of years how this plays out. So with all that, Christopher, Andrew, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. Great to be here. Uh, this is Andrew. I'll just kick off with my introduction. Sure, go ahead. So a lot of your listeners are probably very familiar with my older brother, Steve D'Angelo. You may also be familiar with the medical and adult use vertically integrated cannabis company in California we started called Harborside, now called State House, is one of the largest vertically integrated cannabis companies in California. I exited when that company went public and started this advising business. Because what I saw when I left Harborside was that the industry, like you said, is at a crossroads. Yeah. There's a lot of entrepreneurs coming in that are from other industries. They've done well in other industries. Or there's just other leaders and executives coming in as companies have scaled up and national companies, MSO companies, RO companies are bringing in this talent from other industries. And, you know, the solutions that I wanted to provide was coming from 20 years of experience working with the plant and then also a building a bridge to some of these folks from other industries with more corporate backgrounds. And that's where, you know, Christopher and uh, his, his, what he's done in his career uh, come in and what this particular solution that my advising business is providing for folks, which is really centered around marketing and branding and making people Everybody knows right now branding is the yeah. big word in the industry. If you don't have a brand, you're going to die. That's <laughs> <laughs> sort of the mantra. And there's some truth to that. And there's a reason people are urgent about that right now in this cycle in the industry. And Christopher can speak to that uh, more deeply than I can. But that's really why we came together, Christopher and I, with his firm that does marketing branding for very big companies all over the world. So this is an opportunity for entrepreneurs who want very sophisticated marketing and branding at affordable entry-level prices to engage us and we can get in the trenches and create something great for folks. Yeah. So Christopher, I'm curious, how did you get involved in this? What's your background in cannabis? Give us a little backstory. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. So, well, my backstory is I started in retail development for Universal Studios uh, gosh, okay. 20 plus years ago. <laughs> you were two when you started that Yeah, one. exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was very much that retailtainment space, and I was developing retail, I was developing restaurants, I was developing entertainment concepts for Universal. And then from there, I've worked a number of different retailers, both in-house and outside, as well as design firms, and eventually landed myself as head of the global design, research and development, procurement manufacturing, and a number of other little small things like sustainability for Apple and Apple retail. Yeah. So if you've been inside of Apple stores, yep. most likely you've seen things that I've developed and you're in a space that I ran the designs for. Fascinating. And I yeah. did that all over the planet. Yeah. So that's kind of a, and then since then I've continued to work with retailers and restaurateurs and these days primarily through the consulting group ACB Consulting, which my partner and I are constantly running back and forth between different concepts, trying to help them as they emerge into the market. So that's the background. Yeah. And the other thing I'd say real quick is just that, you know, we really see branding and the reason why my partner and I got started in all of this is we really see branding all the way through to store development, store build, restaurant development, restaurant build. So that, you know, physical spaces are also part of that branding profile, who you are mm-hmm. and how you exist in 2D environments, 3D environments, e-environments. It has to be seamless. It should all be integrated in a way that it's meaningful for the voice of who you are as a brand. Yeah. So that's yeah. so that's kind of that. And then my cannabis space is kind of an interesting thing because when I came out of Apple, there was a marketing group I was working with, another one just on the, some projects of my own, and was asked if I'd be willing to meet Steve D'Angelo. And I was absolutely thrilled to meet Steve and then Andrew because unbeknownst to those guys, my dad was a grower illegally sure. in Los Angeles back in the 60s. My little brother grew up in Washington State for a chunk of years. And so I came from this like very comfortable space around cannabis. Mm-hmm. And knew damn well that it was ridiculous, its placement in the legal space within the country. So with Andrew and Steve, it was, for me, it was supernatural to bridge that space between cannabis business and, you know, that would be considered more legitimate businesses. Yeah. So it was easy for me to kind of do that corporate into corporate cannabis or into upcoming cannabis development. Yeah. I'm curious. I'll kind of let you decide who wants to answer this one, but, or maybe two questions. One is, can we just kind of define or kind of talk about what do we mean by branding in general? Like when we talk about a brand, what does that really entail? What does it not entail? What is it, you know, how does it get developed or what are the kind of the challenges around branding in general? And then branding in cannabis, right? Like I think Andrew mentioned, like everyone's talking about, you know, if you don't have a brand, you're not going to survive in cannabis. Like, why? And why now? I guess, like, what is it about the cannabis industry now that this focus or this prioritization of brand becomes so important? I'd be curious to kind of talk about those two things so we can kind of set some groundwork for this. Yeah, sure. Andrew, why don't I do the first part and you do the second part? Absolutely. Uh, Sounds great. So, you know, branding is such an amorphic thing, right? It's yeah. everybody out there goes out and branding has become such a, it's like naming a child. <laughs> You know, it's like everybody. Maybe harder. You know, yeah, right. I said, well, I don't know. I've got four kids. The last one was a little tough, but thank God there was an Otis Redding song playing in the yeah. background. We, we named him Otis. I love it. <laughs> but, you know, it's a tricky. I will say this about branding. I was fortunate enough to be at Apple when we were pushing really hard on the idea of integrating online store and the brick and mortar stores, that omni channel approach. And One of the things that kept coming up was this idea of honesty and branding. How do you speak with an honest voice from your brand? Yeah. And that really laid the kind of groundwork for the way that I think about branding now, which is being honest about who you are 
and being honest about what you're providing and trying to steer clear of all of the kind of fireworks of crazy ideas about I'm going to name myself shoe. I'm going to name it. <laughs> it's like, listen, who are you? What is it you're selling? Um, what is the service that you're providing? What are the products that you're providing? And how does who you are encapsulate those things that you're taking to market? And how can we talk about that? And how can you speak from that voice in as honest a way as possible? To me, that's branding. It's identifying. And the act of identifying as a connection to your intent. So really, that's it. But the depth of branding has grown, I would say, dramatically, particularly in the last 10 years when it comes to just strict branding profiles. So that even when you think about billboards along the highway, if the billboard doesn't feel like it reflects the same voice that you feel when you walk into a shop, and I've designed and developed hundreds and hundreds of retail spaces. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel the same feeling, if you can't get the same voice coming off of that billboard on the side of the freeway that yeah. you get when you step through the door or when you're standing outside of that brick and mortar shop, that you then feel again when you go into the e-commerce space, if there's not continuity there, then your voice isn't resonate and you're not speaking from the honest space of who you are and what you're trying to provide. And you see it all over the place. And then the transition into the cannabis spaces, that's where it's really rough. I think time and time again, people are in such, they're in either in such a hurry, they're so limited in funds, or they just don't have the acumen to put together a platform for themselves that can resonate. And I'll let Andrew jump in a little bit more on that. But that really becomes the, for me, as the kind of conundrum of the cannabis space is there are those who do it really well. But for the majority of them, there's lots of real soft brands yeah. or confusing brands yeah. or kind of unspecified brands. Yeah. Like I said just a second ago, a lot of that just comes from you know lack of funds, lack of time, or lack of understanding of how to do it. And that's kind of where, you know, that's the space we're trying to fill here. Yeah, Andrew, tell us a little bit about your take on why branding now. Like, what has it been about cannabis, you know, historically that I guess this hasn't been a focus or at least not a priority? And then why has it become such a topic of discussion over the last year or two? Well, it's a very important question for entrepreneurs to ask themselves. You know, in the old days, there was no branding of products because if you branded your products, even in the early days of a legal framework in, in Colorado or California, you would risk federal law enforcement coming after you. Because when you brand something, you're naming it, you're giving it a location, you're yeah. giving it an identity. It's really easy for law like enforcement to yeah. kind of work backwards to your warehouse, right, yeah. from there. GPS coordinates for them to <laughs> read. Yeah, right, right, right. So you couldn't do it, all right, until the activists and all the people got the frameworks a little bit better developed. We got the federal government to back off with the appropriation restrictions that were done at the federal level. We don't need to get into that. That's not what we're talking about today. But in any case... Now we can brand. And what we have, we have a regulatory and tax market and frameworks that are broken everywhere. We have fragmentation in the market. So you've got a legal licensed market that captures anywhere from 20 to 50% of the market, depending on what state you're in. You've got the underground market that's there. And now we've got this hemp derived cannabinoid market that's further fragmenting the market. And when you have a fragmented market, I don't care, widgets, okay, you're going to need stronger brands because you have to capture one shelf space, which is now fragmented. And more importantly, 
you have to capture the minds and hearts of the consumers, right? I use Apple not because it's particularly a superior product than all the other products that are smartphones and so forth. I use it because I consider myself a rebel and Apple has branded itself beautifully as things rebels use. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's why I use it. And I'm used to it now, right? So I got it. But when I go to do a PowerPoint and I have to use Keynote and I can't, you know, switch it over to PowerPoint, which the rest of the world uses, I get frustrated with that particular product. But that's called a brand gap, right? And this is the other thing we're seeing in the industry that Pipeline is here to solve, okay? You can't make a promise as a brand and then deliver something different than that promise unless the thing you're delivering is exceeding the expectation you've set in the market. Okay. And what we're having right now, because the supply chains are not delivering consistency right now, is you've got a, a lot of talented people who are making brand promises and then they have these problems with brand gaps because either the product's not delivering on the promise or the experience is not delivering on the promise. And a lot of times that happens because people are moving too fast, like Christopher said, and they're not thinking this stuff through. And then all of a sudden they're reading Yelp reviews or WeMap reviews or whatever the reviews are, and they notice they have a brand gap. And then they have to spend all this time fixing the brand gap. So if you want to capture the hearts and minds of consumers in a fragmented market, and you want to make sure that the promises that you are making with your brand and marketing are actually being delivered upon in a good way in whatever market your supply chain's in, these complexities are what you need experience hands on the wheel. That's where I come in with 20 years at Harborside and all of that experience. That's where Christopher comes in with his experience. And the combination of these two things, we think, will offer solutions to entrepreneurs and businesses out there. So, yeah. Uh, can I say just a little bit, sure, a little bit more to that too? Yep. You know, the thing that's tricky about it, and that is really what everyone is hoping for when it comes to having your voice, is that it will resonate with other people and they will connect to that voice, that they'll connect to your, you as a brand, yeah. so that they feel like they're participating in something that they're part of. Mm -hmm. And I know when I first went to Harborside, I was just flabbergasted with the experience. Was people standing in line talking about Harborside or talking about how much they liked it in there or are talking about the products that they enjoyed and that the reason they came back is because they felt like they had a friend and then they felt safe and mm -hmm. they felt connected. Mm -hmm. And so the tricky thing is for the cannabis space is when you have so much noise and there's so much, you see it when you go into the shops. I mean, the amount of packages that are just crazy, it's just crazy. How does your voice get heard? How do you kind of rise above the kind of white noise of cannabis? Mm -hmm. And that's super tricky. It's not an easy thing. What you're trying to do is get people to go, oh, yeah, I totally dig this stuff. I'll always go there. There's a cannabis shop near me. I live in the Santa Cruz Mountains um, just outside of Los Gatos down in San Jose. Mm -hmm. There's a shop that I go to all the time. It's close. It's near the airport. I really like it. But it kind of resonates with me. I appreciate the space, the way they laid it out. I appreciate the bud tenders. They're all about, you know, they're not all kids. There's all different age folks. They have a lot of experience. They really speak about the products well. They also speak about the, the business they're in well. It just has a nice vibe to it. So I go back because I feel connected to it. And I used to, not in the cannabis space, particularly when I'm developing and trying to find brands for somebody else as an example. I always look for cult brands. 
And as a quick example of that, one of the craziest cult brands out there is Raiders football team. I use it as a bit of an example because I did a development deal with Raiders Uh and so many people showed up. I put a shop in Universal City Walk in Hollywood. Uh They had to shut down the hill, the subway (laughs) shut down. So many people, I got calls from my boss who was like, you know, one of the head VPs of, of Universal freaking out because he's like, what the hell is going on? I didn't what actually did know what was, and I didn't know what was going on. I'm yeah. like, I don't know what's going on. He's like, buses are shut down. The subway shut down. We're shutting down the hill, no traffic. And it was, we opened a Raiders store on CityWalk and it shut down the hill. That kind of connection to customer, that kind of yeah. partnership with customer is the goal, is where you're trying to get to. Yeah. So, but the way there, it's tricky. And if it's not clear, if it's muddy, if that strain of who you are and that honest kind of voice of who you are doesn't go, isn't in every aspect of your business, you struggle. Yeah. And then the other thing I'll say too is what you end up seeing is you see lots of brands that are constantly rebranding or constantly trying to change their focus or we're going to update this or let's change the website. Let's go after the, maybe our profile's wrong or maybe let's move the caps wrap to the beginning in front of the store or let's try these Maybe we change the menu boards in the store. It's always this kind of playing defense. And the truth is you have to step back and be completely and be comprehensive and play some offense yeah. and get to it. So that's the thing that I think, you know, the cannabis space is is like in a lot of ways it still feels like the wild, wild west. Oh yeah, definitely. I love it. I mean, if there's a sound bite from this whole thing, <laughs> it's stop playing defense, start playing offense, call us. Yeah. Bruce Eckfeld here. Are you a founder or CEO looking to grow and scale your business? Are you feeling stuck and struggling to get to the next level? Maybe your leadership team is just not aligned and lacking accountability. I can help. I work with companies to craft highly effective and scalable growth strategies and create high-performance leadership teams to execute on them. Using my unique combination of frameworks and tools from Scaling Up, Metronomics, 3HAG, Lean and Agile, and my own experience as a founder and CEO of an Inc. 500 company, I help teams accelerate their growth, increase profitability, and dramatically reduce risk and drama as we go. If you'd like to learn more about how I can help, check out my website at eckfelt.com or email me at bruce at eckfelt.com. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com. Now on to the episode. It seems like cannabis has some interesting kind of structural challenges, which makes this hard. I mean, one, you've got such a kind of product range and product, I guess, you know, innovation and shifts and, you know, we're still developing things like that seems like a problem. It seems like a problem. We've got this whole kind of dispensary model, right? Like products are sold through this particular kind of dispensary kind of licensing model, which keeps everyone kind of arm's length from the customer. And then you have such, well, maybe four problems. You have, you know, restrictions on what you can actually, what channels you can use and the ability to actually use some of these digital channels that are not available for a lot of folks in the cannabis industry. And then you've got the state-by-state market. Like it feels like there's so many challenges in cannabis <laughs> like in front of you to try to build a brand. I mean, where do you see the big ones? How do you start to navigate some of these things? Like how does this stuff play into strategy? Well, first of all, the one thing I say is I totally get all of that and I and we all see the complexity. What you have to do is kind of pull yourself back a little bit. And actually you mentioned something earlier that I thought was interesting. I am also come from a lean processes, lean manufacturing yeah. background. I believe very much in the idea of the simplest route from A to B. So it's the same thing here. You have to pull back and really understand what each of those venues are that you're allowed to communicate through, what each of those spaces are you're allowed to sell through. And then in a kind of calm and wholesome way, and not in a freaking out way, 
figure out what the best strategy is for each of those. It will change. The idea is to create flexible models so that you can manage the constant change. If you do not develop flexible models, then you obviously you run into a lot of trouble because you don't know how to pivot. I will say one of the interesting things when I first went to work at Apple, Steve Jobs set up Apple with a really flat management structure. And his perspective on that was that if he had to pivot to a new product, like let's say they came out with the Apple Jacuzzi and that became <laughs> the main thing, that he could pivot that organization on a dime and keep going. And I watched that happen over the time that I was there. It's a very interesting thing. You learn that, oh, it's about being malleable. It's about being flexible and not being afraid of it. Like I think one of the things that I run into, and particularly in dealing with some cannabis folks, is they're just so stressed. You know, there's a lot of anxiety about, well, I don't know what to do here. We can't do this. We can't do this. Well, great. Step back, figure out what you can do, and then do it right. Or at least do it in a way that you'd feel like that you're taking positive steps in the direction that you want to go. And those positive steps are about, you know, being honest about who you are. The other thing I'd say to this too is, and we know it's continuing to change. It changes slowly, but the ship is turning. We've seen the scheduling, all the news that came out about this the government's perspective on the scheduling, you know, should change on cannabis, which is great. Once the bank, we all know that the banks are, I mean, I've seen interior reports of like Bank of America and what they're prepping for when the cannabis industry becomes viable for them as a banker. These things will all change. Are you setting yourself up now to be able to flex into the adjustments that are coming? Yeah. And at the same time, be viable now. And that's where, you know, we come in and do that, do the kind of work that we do, which is to help you navigate, to help you make sure that you're focusing on the things that are viable and they're yeah. going to increase your business. You know, it is funny. I go back to the thing I said about the billboards. I've never been able to get anybody to prove to me that billboards have any real positive impact on a business. <laughs> and I can tell you that I've been in-house at a couple of different companies where we looked at the amount of money that was being spent on billboards. And we're trying to figure out, well, how do you justify the amount of the spend if you can't tell how many people actually looked at a billboard and then came to your shop or called your service? Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult thing to do. So then the question is, why do you see people come out and do these big, insane cannabis billboards if it doesn't seem like, if you can't prove it's viable? What can you prove that's viable? What do you know that works? Well, here's what works. I open a shop door. Yeah. People come through the door and they'll buy product. Mm-hmm. That's a thing we know. And we know that people chase product. They chase types of product. And that's another thing too. You mentioned that a moment ago. I swear to God, I get off on a rant on this stuff, but <laughs> you mentioned that a moment ago about having all of these different products in your shop and da, 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 da. Yep. How do you make the decisions for what products you're going to carry? Exactly. Because I'll tell you, I was just down, we did Christmas down in, outside of Puerto Vallarta, but spent some time in Puerto Vallarta. And I went and purchased some cannabis in Puerto Vallarta. It was horrible oh. experience. <laughs> and, the super, I mean, and the product was horrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So look, we're talking about a constrained ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Going back to your question, you can't be all things to all people. If you try to be all things to all people in every state in the country, you're going to need hundreds of millions of dollars to do that. Yeah. And we've seen people make that bet and we've seen the result have not been good. So you have to choose your spot. You have to prove the concept of your spot, right? In one spot. Okay. Once you've proven that concept, okay, then we can start to stretch it. Okay. And maybe it's other states, maybe it's other locations within that state. If it's retail, maybe it's getting more shelf space. If it's a product, maybe it's optimizing a farm. If it's a farm, whatever it is, we're going to move outward from a core 
that we've proven a concept on and that's not trying to be all things to all people. Yeah. And whatever that thing is that you want to be in the world is going to come from you as an entrepreneur or it's going to come from what your core business already is, what you've already determined you're good at, what the data says, right? And if you're an existing business, we move out from that. We determine what that core is because sometimes people have chased shiny objects and, you know, there's some dead ends and some fat we need to really have serious, honest conversations about. Yeah. Get this thing focused on something. Prove that you're the best at it or as good as everybody else at it and then move outward from there. Yeah. Ease people's anxiety and stress. Okay, and this is where experience comes in. And maybe you're seeing this too, Bruce, but I see a lot of entrepreneurs and even some of the bigger companies and they think they know it all and I've got my MBA from Harvard and I'm going to come in and I'm going to show you people how to do it right. And then, you know, the Titanic hits the iceberg. Re reality hits, yeah. Yeah, you know. I mean, honestly, you can see that like MedMen is a perfect example. Yeah. I mean, MedMen, I remember when MedMen hit the market. I, I was actually around Steve and Andrew at that time, like looking at some stuff at Harborside, and I did a little bit of work on Harborside. Yeah. And I remember saying to, to you guys, I was like, listen, first of all, they're absolutely stealing from other brands, oh, including yeah. Apple. Yep. There was things in their shop that I am on the design patent for in Apple mm -hmm. that was in their shop. Oh, sure. So I said, I think the term is when a plane's going down and they don't want to freak everybody out, it's a... It's an uncontrolled descent into rough terrain, you know, like you could see it coming. And those are decisions that are made out of arrogance, to be honest. Yeah. And, and you see this too when entrepreneurs will come in in the cannabis space. And this is, I think Portland has a big problem with this. Is, you know, like we're going to open up a 5,000 square foot dispensary. What the hell? Why do you need 5,000 square feet? <laughs> That's a lot of pre-rolls. I know. Like, what are you putting a submarine in there? What's going to yeah, exactly. happen? And so... It's about creating smart decision matrices yeah. and developing brands in a very like holistic and calm way. And you don't have to spend a bazillion dollars. I think that's one of the things that Andrew and I talk about because we've done a number of podcasts now that I want to just keep reiterating. You would think that we would be the most expensive people in the world, particularly based on like my Andrew's background in cannabis, my background in branding yeah. and retail. Yeah. Actually, we're not. Like our creative studio at ACV is very reasonably priced. We're not trying to kill anybody here at the pocketbook. What we're saying is, hey, in order for this industry to continue to move forward towards full legalization, which is what we all want, it has to be a viable industry. Yeah. It can't be a mess. Yeah. And it feels messy right now. And yeah. so if you're out there and let's say, you know, hopefully you're listening to this podcast and maybe we're like getting your ear to perk up a little bit. What we're really saying is we're here to help and we want to help. And that shows up in a lot of different flavors. It yeah. doesn't have to be. Like, as an example, I've been working for the last year with a retailer outside of the cannabis space, but in another interesting space. And I give them a, two days a week. And in those two days, I do everything I can to act as their CEO, their COO, mm -hmm. and provide, mm -hmm. you know, good leadership for them and help them. And sometimes that's the path. And sometimes the path is come in and develop all of it for us. And sometimes the path is just give us like, give us little bits and pieces that can help us out. Yeah. We're here to be as malleable as we expect the industry to become. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Pipeline. How did Pipeline come about? How does it sort of solve a core problem for you in the industry? Uh, well, Pipeline came about because my advisory business, you know, a lot of people, a lot of clients were asking about marketing and branding help. And so I always want to work with the very best people. 
So Christopher and I reconnected. I said, look, there's this opportunity with in the cannabis psychedelic space for what you do. I've got a little advisory company that's growing right now and could use your help. And let's talk about what product and solution we can provide. And we've been talking about that really for the last half hour, but that's where it all came about. It came about from clients needing this because as we mentioned already, branding marketing is big keyword right now in the industry. And I wanted to have the very best offering for the market. And, that, and so Christopher and I put together Pipeline. You can see it on andrewdangelo.com slash pipeline. It's all right there. Um, it's also on the homepage. And we're real excited to be able to work with entrepreneurs and established companies and solve some of these constraints and problems we've been talking about. Yeah. yeah. And the idea is, you know, what we said is we wanted to provide something that didn't feel like it was cumbersome but instead felt like it was, you know, it could be picked up and set down at, at any point in the journey. So while we have a tremendous amount of experience taking concepts from I've got an idea to I'm living in the market, I've got a retail space, I've got an online space, I've got whatever it is that I, one would have at the end of that development journey, we can kind of pick up an off-ramp anywhere along that path. And so where we become most effective is with startup brands or with brands that are in trouble with brands that are in trouble and we can come in and we're not just talking about, again, I'm going to go back to this. We're not just talking about branding from the perspective of a billboard here or a commercial. We're really yeah. talking about the full retail experience. Obviously, Andrew has a tremendous amount of experience in operating dispensary. He operated one of the biggest and most successful dispensaries on the planet at mm -hmm. Harborside and understands not only the front of the house, but the back of the house very well. My background and my experience, along with my partner, Aaron's, who's also a piece of this. Aaron was CMO at North Face. He was the chief mm -hmm. marketing officer there. He was VP of marketing at Levi. He comes from this very deep background of, as a marketing professional. Yeah. And between the two of us, you know, we understand the full development approach for a startup. We also know what it's like to go into those companies that are saying, hey, look, at, if we can't figure this out, we're going to go under in a year. Yeah, exactly. How do we get this figured out? We're very good at that. And so we've gone into many companies, and sometimes it's just for a short period of time. Sometimes it ends up being extended, where we help them figure out their operational model. We take a look at how to make sure that their voice is getting out there in a way that's effective, but cost. It's also, you know, if you're constrained with funds, we can look at how to do that in a cost-effective way as well. Yeah. So, I mean, between Andrew and myself and our teams, we have hundreds of years of experience here and have seen and have been in companies that have gone under and seen what that looks like, have been in companies that are the most successful companies in the world and know what that's like and know the middle spaces in between. So what we try to do is bring all of that in an effective way to whatever part of the business you need help with in the cannabis space, because again, we're trying to help. And so yeah. we want this thing to work. I want this thing to work. I guess, where do you each hope that cannabis is in a couple of years? I mean, do you have any particular vision or hopes, desires around changes you want to see or kind of oh, yeah, where you man. hope cannabis goes? I mean, I want to see cannabis federally descheduled, and I want to see that without some BS step of rescheduling in between. Yeah. I'm not a fan of rescheduling. So best outcome two, three years from now is we have descheduling. Cannabis is regulated like the natural food and supplement industry, not like the pharmaceutical industry or yeah. the alcohol industry. We are not alcohol. We are not pharmacy. 
are pharmaceuticals. We are a natural compound. We are a natural plant. Really, it's its own category. Cannabis needs to be in its own category. So do psychedelics. And they should not share a category. They should be <laughs> separate. Okay, folks? We can be intelligent and deal and unwind these complexities and tell the stories of these things. Yeah. And I want high quality products that are not trashing the environment right now. Cannabis is not sustainable. We're growing yeah. all the weed indoors. It's crazy. And so I want to see a more sustainable industry. And I want to see great products in the marketplace. I want to see great experiences. I want the brand of the cannabis industry and the psychedelic industry and the hearts and minds of the world to be a good brand, to be positive, to be healing, to be something that people think about when they're hurting or they need healing. I don't want it to be branded as something you do when you need a party. Yeah. So those are some of the things that, and I hope that it can be a more profitable industry that some of these regulations and tax structures, we can work on making them better so that all of us can be profitable. I want to see our community. We have a lot of people that have been working with these plants for a long time. They deserve to have a voice and a spot in the industry. We need the corporate folks to come in and scale and do all the things they do well because these medicines need to be in the medicine cabinet of everybody in the world. We can't do that without that. So we all need to come together and work together as a team. We need to stop viewing each other as, you know, incompetent people. We're not. We can come together, build these bridges. And I think if we all do that together in the hearts and minds of people two or three years from now, they'll view our industries not like some terrible money grab race to the bottom, which is kind of where we're at going right now, but with, hey, this is an industry that cares about people and planet and healing, and it's something I want to spend my hard-earned dollars using these things in my medicine cabinet and for my family because they offer good solutions for the times we're living in. That's what I want to see. And I'm just add a little bit to that. Yeah, go ahead. My hope is that we get a cannabis market, a psychedelic market, that becomes an open and free market, that it is... We do live within a capitalist framework, if that being the case. It should be that small mom and pop shops can thrive, that medium-sized kind of regional brands can thrive, that large-scale multi-state brands can thrive, that everybody can exist within the framework of of an open and free cannabis space, and that people are able to get access to products that are meaningful and helpful, not harmful, and that everybody can enjoy, imbibe, and in the cases where often is you know focused, but have better health because they're able to go somewhere without the constraint of the banking system doesn't bank, we can't go across state lines, yeah. the regulatory path has become archaic and cumbersome, the taxation market is killing it. Like there's you know the headwinds are really heavy here. And I will say the reason why we've started our our pipeline um, thingy up here is because we understand the headwinds. And so being able to battle those headwinds requires very strict strategies, very clear strategies, very on-point strategies to create a profile that can help you survive until all of those things land and come in line. There's no doubt. I mean, if you think about where we were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, there is no doubt we're moving in a direction here. 
Yeah. The question is, can your business survive until you're able to bank with a banker, until you're able to... Yeah, exactly. You know, if you want to have a franchisee program, you can do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. this is all stuff in every other place, in any other part of the retail restaurateur industry. This stuff is all the normal state of business. Yeah. We just need to get cannabis to that normal state so that I it agree. can be viable. And that's the thing. And the last thing I say to that too is, and... My take on this, and I said this to Andrew and Steve and I talked about this years ago. My take has always been on this. I back up for a little bit, tell a little story. A buddy of mine is a chef in the Bay Area. We decided when the cannabis started opening up, we wanted to try to sell a healthy edible. Because when I was going to the early shops that were opening up, it was all like, you know, brownies in Ziploc bags. And I remember there was a cooperative that I was dealing with that was selling our healthy little sports bar. And of course, I went out and bought like a machine that would make it wrap it like it was like the wrappers you'd see in, in a candy bar in a store. I mean, mm -hmm. really trying to make it look as legitimate as possible. And I know that the reason why doors opened up is when I walked in with that, everybody was like, what the hell? Yeah. That looks so cool. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't have to be like a brownie in a Ziploc bag. And it doesn't have to be full of sugar. And it doesn't have to be full of all this crap. It can be this really healthy little thing that's got some cannabis that be good mm -hmm. for after you work out, before you work out. So what I was walking into, every time I went to meet with this one group in Berkeley, who will go unnamed, who are no longer around, is a back of house that was full of kids stoned out of their minds that could never remember what the hell we'd talked about the last time I was there. And I would write things down and present it to them. And I remember sitting with the guy that was running the whole thing at that point, and I just said, listen, I'm not going to sell in your shop anymore. But I'm going to say this to you, man. What you're uh -huh. doing here is what's going to make all of this go wrong mm -hmm. because you're misbehaving. What yeah. you need to do is be legitimate. I have no problem with people smoking cannabis. But if you're so stoned at work that you can't function, this whole boat's going to go down. Yeah. How this has all evolved over the last 10 years has been fascinating. Very fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. So it's like it's certainly tricky and you certainly don't want to step on anybody's toes. Yeah. But we have to behave like adults here. Yep. Christopher, Andrew, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about the two of you, about Pipeline, what's the best way to get that information? AndrewDangelo.com is the best place. We make one stop. One stop is all you have to make. <laughs> one stop Single stop. stories. I love it. I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes. Thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Great. Thanks, sir. Thank you, Bruce. Great to be with you today. And a happy Martin Luther King Day. Yeah, thank yes. you. Yeah, we're MLK recording on MLK. Day. Very good, gentlemen. Thank you so much. All right, thanks, guys. Okay, bye-bye. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.